Hello and welcome to the 46th episode of The Sausage Factory, which is brought to you by Spong.com and hosted by me, Chris O'Regan. In this show, we interview video game developers and ask them about their starting industry, what the influences are and who inspires them. Split into two halves, the show initially focuses on the developer themselves, and in the second half we discuss the game they're here to promote, which in this case is Lumino City by State of Play Games. Catherine, who are you and what do you do? Hi Chris, I'm Catherine Bidwell and I'm director of State of Play Games. Fantastic. And how did you make your start? Um, I kind of like ease my way into the games industry, I guess. Um, it's the best way to describe it. Um, for my degree years ago, I did something called um, interactive media production. Which, or no, it was even new media production, which sounds really old and um, kind of really dark ages kind of term for a course now, I guess. But I mean, I guess with that, I very much came from an art and design background. And so sort of turning up to university and them saying, oh, yeah, this is a computer room and you're going to spend all your time in it. I was quite like, um, oh, right. So I'm doing this now, am I, sort of thing. Um, what did you read at university, sorry? What did you... um, new Media Production. It was new. Oh, so that's the, that's the course you studied. Yeah. And where, where was that? It was at Bournemouth University. Okay, okay. So back in the day, it was called New Media Production. And right. um, yeah, so I kind of quick had a quick learning curve really to be sort of suddenly doing sort of interactive digital base. It's basically digital based media was basically, and you know back then doing CD ROMs and stuff and and got to grips with um, sort of the um, yeah digital design. So then kind of left university. Um, and was a web designer for for the Tate Online, which was a fantastic sort of first job um, in the industry. I've been to the been to the Tate a fair few times, I have to say. Tate Modern, anyway. Yeah. Um, so no doubt it reflected that uh, very remarkable building. Yeah, yeah. No, it was amazing. Yeah. Um, I was based in Tate Britain, actually. And, oh, okay. You know, it's just sort of just come out of uni, had this job, um, for Tate Online and you can literally in your lunch hour you come out the door into the gallery and just have a wander around so yeah. it was um, a fantastic kind of start in the career and then it worked for fair, sorry I am getting to games eventually oh, I know no, I love this stuff it's all <laughs> yeah, so, you know it's great it's a gradual like build up yeah a gradual line. amble into yeah. so um so then after that, I did, um, so basically a web designer and um, sort of using things like Flash to make mini games and sort of it, it was all kind of part of that um, sort of mid-2000s um, time. Uh, worked in an advertising agency, worked with clients, things like that. And then um, the, uh, my partner in State of Play, Luke um, Whitaker. He was at that time doing sort of flash games and things, and I was I was still sort of web designer and flash games, and um, we just kind of thought, well, um, you know, Luke was freelance and had a lot of work coming in, so we kind of joined forces and set up State of Play in two thousand and eight, and at that time we were doing mostly kind of um, uh, browser games for for 
publishers like Miniclip and MTV and uh, um, Nickelodeon and things like that. So we we did sort of um, flash games, you know, the browser games then. And then, yeah, so that's – and then we kind of did animation as well and then we kind of just solely focused on games. And so we came into the industry that way, not not ever sort of doing sort of AAA kind of things and getting smaller to indie. We were kind of like sort of a small browser game company that, that sort of moved up in, into self-publishing our games. So we um, we sort of worked with a – I guess the first kind of self-published game was um, Headspin Storybook, which you worked with a company in Windsor, um, uh, uh, Bramwitz, um, and we launched that on the iPad just as um, sort of it was pretty much as soon as the iPad came out, we had we launched this game. So well, what, what was it? I mean, I'd like to expand a little bit. I mean, it's, sort of forgive me for not knowing about it, but what, what was it? It was uh... so Headspin Storybook was a a puzzle game where you opened um basically open a storybook and you had mirrored images that right. weren't quite that weren't um it was basically kind of like a, a twist on spot the difference because they were mirrored but they weren't quite and you had a timer to um oh okay to <laughs> flip the images over so it was um it was a real kind of like simple puzzle game um very much a state of play look which i think is kind of like handmade and and things like that, and that was actually we did we had that as a browser game that we then ported to to um, iOS. Um, right. And yeah, I guess that was our first ta- taste of kind of just taking one of our games and and sort of self publishing without relying on a big um, sort of browser browser game. It stock. is ast- it is astonishing what looking back what the mobile platform did. Not I'm talking about pre-2007. I'm talking about 2007 onwards, all the smartphones. Mm-hmm. It is, I know there was, they're still lambasted to this day, and you and I, we could have a chat about that all bloody day. Um, but there's, there's some real corkers, real gems, yeah. real gems on, on uh, like Monument uh, Valley. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. And uh, uh, Tank Army as well, which I've had the developers on this show. And there's some, you know, and of course the room. Um, yeah. All of this stuff, it's there's, it's great stuff there. Uh, and of course, there's the fighting fantasy books with Tim Tim and Games. Um, they're fantastic on there too. So it's it's out there, folks. You just got to find it. It's not all kids. Yeah. It really yeah. Is. No. <laughs> it's, it's it's really great. Like the kind of what that platform allows you to do and things. And so that must have been a real sort of like eye opener. Like, oh. We could yeah, do this. We could do I think this. So, and then um, we can't. Um, trying to think, like I'm just trying to think back to the time time scales and stuff. But then I think um, Loom. We then sort of um, had a kind of moment where we had an idea, and we kind of we worked on Loom around other client jobs. Really, like you know, or, or like when we weren't particularly busy, we sort of worked on Loom. And that sorry, was, Loom is this your abbreviation for Luminosity? No, no, no. Loom oh, sorry. Is the prequel. <laughs> ah, right. City. Huh? So Loom, which we launched in 2011, right, um, was um, we launched on Steam at the end of 2011, I believe. Okay. And um, that was completely on our own, self-published. You know, um, launched it on Steam, yeah. and then and then There's that a was. Platform. Bloody that hell. Was, that 
went and won an awards and IGF nominated. So hmm. from being sort of, um, you know, it was quite a quick, quick from sort of having client work and doing browse games to suddenly like self-publishing on Steam and sort of we had a hunch that this could work out and luckily it did. Um, so since then... We've um, we launched a game called Kami on iOS, and that's now on um, Death, um, Steam and Mac and PC. Right. Um, did a few other sort of other projects as well, and um, the last three years we've been working on Loom City. Awesome. Yeah. That, again, we'll we'll talk about. So Loom, the, the spelling is it? Is not L O O M. No, it's L U M E. That's better. Because the other one is an old LucasArts. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and I thought, so that makes no sense. They wouldn't do that. Surely not. No, no, no. No, no, no. You're better than that. It's like, you know, we could bang on about LucasArts games, you know, and like, hang on. <laughs> They're great. <laughs> I mean, I love X-Wing. That was fantastic. But uh, anyway, cool. No. So that brings us up right up to date. So I say you made your, so you made your stumbling start. You went to a course at university like, oh, computers. Okay. Yeah. fine i I don't know coding oh you don't need to great well it's kind of like it was more sort of yeah kind of oh i don't really know this but i'm gonna have to learn it so yeah yeah, i did kind of we all had to like pick up that kind of side of it and we'll establish your your gaming um, uh, likes and dislikes presently but uh, that comes on later don't worry okay but it's 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 like you you're not saying you're a luddite far from it yeah, yeah. Fun. Well, it's funny because all my um, and I've I've been thinking about this quite recently because I'm thinking I'm going to do a talk about it. But kind of all my um, saying like I'm suddenly inundated with computers wasn't quite true because I was quite, you know, we we had a home computer at home and a teenager and I'd always do I did um, you know kind of the teenage angst artwork kind of thing scanning them. <laughs> Scanning in, using my dad's scanner and scanning things in and and kind of doing digital early, like, you know, the first Photoshop doing sort of digital manipulation, that stuff. So there's very much part of me that that was, you know, using the screen and digital stuff to, to do things. And so I wasn't, you know, completely shocked, but it was, um, it was definitely, yeah, so... I can't, you know, so I have sort of had that in me. And plus playing games as a kid, I love games. I had a little, I've got a little brother and competing with him in any way possible to try and beat him was pretty much my daily mission. Yeah, I mean, um, it must frustrate you when you see, uh, even to this day, like this sort of casual sexism nonsense going on where, you know, Legos all in pink for women. No, no, don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I that want was to never- have. Can that I have the, desk- the way. Like, yeah. like can I have the- a, as a family, because I'm a family of three, you know, we had a bunch yeah. of toys. Yeah. And it wasn't, you know, whether I was playing with a tractor or my brother was, it, you know, we all had the same things. And I hate that kind of, ah. yeah, Lego, here's the girls' Lego, here's the boys' Lego. And I'm just like, or well, here's the girls' games and this is yeah. the boys' games. I'm just like, no, you know. It yeah. should be. This is people's games. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, if you want to build a Death Star, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Get <laughs> over right. it. It's all right. If you want to watch Star Wars, it's okay. Oh, doesn't yeah. matter what gender you are. doesn't matter. Yeah. Provided it's not the first three films we don't talk about. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> There's only three Star Wars films, you know, made in the 70s and 80s. As far as yeah. We don't talk about it. <laughs> anyway, um, so this leads you on to, we brought you up to date now, and we've got some hints about my the answer to my next question. But what do you think? And this is a very broad question, and I get uh, a lot of stunned silences from developers when I ask this. And you, can, you may go, I don't know, and that's fine. That's a, that's a good answer too. But what do you think? What is the thing you, you, you are influenced by as a creator? What's the thing you, you, you gravitate to, to orbit around and you find yourself drawn to whether you like it or not? It can't well, like, be anything. Like, okay, like, um, God, that is a difficult question. It's, yeah. I don't know, it's, it can come from so many places, but, I mean, I, I really like telling stories and the way we, the way we work, State of Play is quite famous for its like handmade games and stuff, but as well as making Lumino City, you know, arc, just good, just good design. Um, okay. Just gets me, you know, going. So when and, you, when and, you see something that's really obviously been thought about and designed with a capital D, um, there's a lot of buildings out there that have that. Yeah. And obviously, you might argue there's not enough buildings that have that. Uh, but also, when you play a, or, or play a game, whether it can be a board game or a, a video game, it doesn't really matter, or you see a toy or even a kettle, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. could go, yeah, they, someone said yes to that and they should have done. That's yeah. awesome. And then you pick up something else and said, yeah, and someone said yes to that and they really shouldn't have done. <laughs> yeah you know and that's so elegance in design or elegance in design is amazing and the thing that always sort of bugs me is if you go into a park and there's a route round it but like when you see where everyone's cut across the grass and the like the path like has emerged because yeah. obviously the most sensible way to get across this park is a and the designer is take you know it's just yeah. like yeah beautiful beautiful simple design yeah. Is a way, you know, not not confusing people. Not things should be like just part of, you know, part. Of, people should be able to pick up and do things very easily. And yeah. um, I'm not, you know, I'm not blowing thinking up your, but but just the Lumino City reeks of that, of all of that kind of thinking. I believe yeah. my my experience with the game has been every step of the way. I very very rarely get frustrated with the game all right i just i do get stuck at some points but i'm not dumb <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know and we'll talk about aspects of that design later on in this in the show but there's definitely this influence is definitely shines in lumino city the the importance of the simplicity less yeah. is more less and that's yes, okay so you know standing by that that phrase it sounds a bit of a cliche but it's a cliche because it's true. You know, that's why they're cliches. Yeah. Uh, less is more. Is, you know, it's hard to... When people say, what do you mean by that? When you break that phrase down, it's like, well, how can I define this properly? And you, actually, you find yourself stumbling a bit. You know, it's like trying to explain the concept of running sentences. Like, just shut up, maybe in a sentence. Yeah. Need a full stop there. And yeah. no, don't put a semicolon. That won't work. Precisely. Yeah. <laughs> it's just... It's like... Um... You know, when something's designed well, you know, whether that's a chair or, like you say, a kettle, it just sort of feels right. Yeah. And you can't, when you try and overanalyze it, you can't explain it 
you know, you can't. You just, it's just right. It's just and right. And when things right. wrong, yeah. and then and you, you end know, up. My biggest bugbear is like typography, and when you know um, someone, you know, you can you can't explain why that type works there or that type doesn't work there. But yeah. when, when when things are wrong, you totally notice it. You know, and it's it, sort it's, of. Yes, it it is. It, you're right. You glom onto it. You lock onto it, and you focus on it. Like mm-hmm. this is great. But look at that. I well, know, but what about yeah? But you know, what have the Romans ever done for us, sort of thing? Yeah, but what, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so next question is: um, What developer do you most admire? Which developer do you most admire in an industry, and and why? So, who do you like look to and go? They should keep on doing what they're doing. That'll be great. Thanks. Um. <laughs> Who do you think? Well, it's a couple. Uh, it's quite a hard one. Yeah, that's another hard one. Sometimes it gets worse. Um, <laughs> I think. I think for for yeah, I think um, Amanita Design, um, who did like Machinarium and Samarost and yes, Samarost two and three. I love Machinarium. It's yeah, they are. Um, you know, they they they're really good, amazing developers to. To I mean, be inspired by, I think, and they're um, timeless work. As well. Yeah, timeless work. You know, Machinarium's still, you know, selling X amount. I imagine, you know, it's still, it's just like a classic kind of game, and should, if it's not already, you know, go down as a great example of how to make a game. And terribly sad. And terribly sad. They're kind of like, and I just love their kind of ethos, like. Um, yeah. Jakob is just like they just get on with it, and they're not, you know, they're just they just they're not involved in all the kind of you know game stuff, and like they're not like on Twitter every day saying different things. They're just like we make games like this, we like making games like this. We're gonna we're gonna do it like this, you know. And it's yeah. there's beautiful games that yeah. you can't really fault at all. Um, so they've been great. They're great friends of ours and great, you know, influences in terms of how they go about making games. But um, okay. yeah, so I think they've probably been the developers. We've, you know, there's lots of others, but as soon as I start mentioning them, they're, they're not forgetting people. <laughs> that's the other thing yeah. I get a lot of guests say, like, I'm going to miss people out. I know, but that's yeah. okay. You know, you had him in your heart, and that's fine. Um, yeah, there's just and. Um, Honey Slug are another fantastic, you know, London-based um, developers who did um, Ho Hokum and um, Frobish Says and 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 all yes. that. So um, I remember meeting them at E3 a few years back. Yeah, Ricky and yeah. and um, Dick Hogg. So they they they're doing amazing stuff. And there's so many. Like yeah, precisely. As soon as I start listing people, I'm going to forget people, and then I'll be like, oh, I forgot oh, them. Yeah. I'm the worst human being in the world. Yeah. And then you start racking, rocking back and forth and going to fetal position. And then you go, <laughs> Catherine, hello. No, I'm not saying anymore. Yeah. It's precisely. only happened once. But <laughs> I'm kidding. No, but uh, yeah. Well, I don't want to back you into a corner like that. I just wanted to tease out of you and give you a, give you a chance to. Oh, uh, and of course, um, yes. Media Molecule. Oh, of course. Doing amazing stuff. They, they, they continue to do amazing. Yeah. Amazing things. Yeah. Um, I mean, I must confess, I wasn't the biggest fan of Little Big Planet because of the controls and the floatiness of it. But 
they kind of admitted that and fixed it a little bit. Yeah, I think Terraway is a fantastic game. Glorious, glorious yeah. game. I can't believe it's been out for over a year now, but I, yeah, I, when people say, there's no games on the Vita, and I don't let them finish that sentence. I just don't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd give them a big, big slap with the, with the Vita and go, just play this and shut up. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, the fact that it's so, that game is full of joy. It is oh, just totally. full of joy. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I've been smiled so much since I played uh, Loco Roco, which was fantastic. Fantastic game on the PSP way back in the day. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, um, final question uh, of the first part of the show. And it's my favourite question I like to ask because it gives me a little subtle hint as to what you're possibly working on in the future, although this is probably unlikely. It normally has nothing to do with what you're working on. Uh, the question is, uh, what are you playing right now? Oh, what I'm playing right now. And it can be anything, uh, by the way, because we do have uh, tabletop stuff here as well. I'm a big tabletop gaming fan as much as I am uh, flashy, lighty video games. Okay, yeah. Well, I played on New Year's Eve um, Scotland Yard. Is it called that? I think it's you're right. Yeah, everyone keeps on banging on about that one. People seem to say, Christian, play this. They play this. It's like, okay, I'll, I'll see if I can find a copy and, or get someone who's got a copy. So what's it about? It's, um, well, I'd lo- in the simplest terms, I guess, it's kind of bit Sherlock Holmes, London, you're yes. finding someone round. But there's like one person plays the um, the kind of, I don't know what it's called now, baddie, but, and you kind of, sometimes they move around the board and it's invisible they're invisible and some and then they will reveal themselves so the rest of the players have got to sort of um run around and and try and work out where they are and either work together or work separately to try and capture them it was quite hard and we had had quite a few drinks when we started playing it so (laughs) that might not have helped but it was really good that's that's what i'm playing what we did play then um and in terms... Is that your home, was it? Or did you go some some event? Yeah, this was at a, a friend's house. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then I'm I've probably really late to the, to the table oh, doing this, but playing 80 Days quite a bit, which I really love. Oh, we've... There, we're talking about... It's an iPad game, isn't it? It's an iPad yeah, yeah, yeah. game. Now, that's done by, by, uh, done by Inkle, isn't it? Yes, yeah. So we had Inkle on as one of the fourth episode of this show. Wow. Yeah, because they did the uh, sorcery books. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I met them at PAX East a couple of years ago. Cool. And, uh, yeah, I had them on the show, and and they were fantastic. A lot of time for those two. Very, very bright people. But, yes, um, excellent. 80 days. Yeah, everyone listen, check that out. It's a great game. Fantastic. Yeah. Anything else? Um. What else have I been playing? Oh. I have played Little Big Planet 3. Oh, yeah. I played that. I really enjoyed. At PAX Prime last year, but I haven't actually got, got it yet for reasons I'll explain in a second. But uh, so you really. So you like the different characters? In the, in the... Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, it's kind of. I'm, I've just started it, but yeah, no. It's kind of default to Sackboy really nice. a lot, don't you? But. Uh, yeah, it's it's nice to have one of them flies, another one yeah yeah bash through walls and it's it's an old idea now because that that sort of thing. There's an old 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 game called Lost Vikings. 
Okay. You know that? I'm that was, no, it was made... <laughs> okay, Lost Vikings, look it up because you... I'll tell you who made it. It will shock you. Uh, Blizzard made it. Oh, right. Okay, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what? But this is before they became what they are now. This is one of their earliest, earliest, earliest games ever made. Right. And, uh, yeah, called Lost Vikings. And they, similarly, every Viking uh, had its own, had their own ability. Uh, and there's a platformer for the Mega Drive and the Amiga. It's that long ago. It's long in the distant past. And um, But yeah, that's so Blizzard made their name. Okay. Yeah. Um, speaking of Blizzard, for me, yes, I've been playing WoW again, Chris. Why? why? <laughs> uh, the new expansion just caught my eye. I went, okay, I'll have a look. <gasps> it's really good. But that game's weird now. Nothing yeah. like what it used to be. Nothing. It did. Yeah, the same icons and stuff, but it's just weird, weird game. Um, and also uh, Elite Dangerous. I've been playing that. Okay, I've not played so that yet. It's fantastic. My game of 2015, um, 14, stroke 15. Yeah. It's turning to 15 as well, but yeah, my game of 2014. No offense to yourself, uh, but uh, to have such a. The entire Milky Way fantastic. stretching for you. And what's wonderful about it is they've done. What I thought would be impossible is to give you a sense of speed. Mm. That's the best way I can do. Like, what's the big deal? You really feel like you're hurtling through space. Okay. And and the sound design is exquisite. You actually feel the ship or hear the ship groaning as you twist and turn. They actually have sounds moving from one ear to the next or one speaker to the next as your ship sort of groans and spin you spin it round. It doesn't feel like this weird sort of weird sort of floaty bubble. It feels like one more shot, I'm gonna get dead. Yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna and it's just oh, I can't and the when you go into hyperspace and when you drop out of hyperspace, you actually feel like oh god, I'm suddenly decelerating and it's sort of BAM it's just they really I can't That's that's yeah. Yeah. it's so for if you want to talk about design, oh boy um, it's not perfect though. There's some interface issues, I'm afraid, but they they tried. They've done a yeah. pretty good job. But um, I've got some little bit of complaints here and there. But ultimately, it's still an extraordinary experience that you should not. Uh, you have to approach it with some trepidation, unfortunately, because it's it's like, oh god, what about what do I do now? Well, there's lots yeah. of tutorials. There's loads and loads of tutorials, and you do need to watch them and, and absorb them. But yeah, Elite Dangerous. Uh, they've really. Then I did I did back it on Kickstarter, so. Oh, nice. Which means I can't review it. <laughs> conflict of interest. I've said that to my editor. I said, can you review it? Nope. Why? Because I... Oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so awesome. Well, that's that for the first half of the show. Okay. We'll now settle in and talk about... We're going to the second half and we'll talk about Lumino City.
Dr. Catherine, tell us about Luminosity. So, um, Luminosity is a puzzle adventure game where you play this character called Lumi. Um, At the beginning of um, the game, her granddad goes missing in a a kind of strange way. And um, you have to go through this city looking for him and finding out what's happened and, and kind of getting to the bottom of a of a bigger mystery. Um, the unique thing about this game is um, that it's all been made by hand. Um, so everything you see on screen was actually remade as a model for real using paper glue, laser cutting, motors, everything like that, um, and then animated the characters over the top. Um, so it's about a 10-foot by 10-foot city um, that we used uh it's now out on steam for mac and pc and yeah that's so city in a nutshell yeah it's not claymation people do think that oh is it like that no no it's not like that at all these are real things but it is stop motion animation isn't it it's not it's real it's not stop frame animation because the animation of the characters that you see yes was actually it's they are they are handmade in terms of we've taken photographs of them yeah but they're animated um digitally over the top that's right there's no um stop frame and the way we um got the kind of shots around the city was using a motion controlled camera right that's right so it wasn't it wasn't uh you know Okay, move it a tiny bit, take a photo. No. Move it, no. There was one bit. scene we did do that, um, right. but I wouldn't say, no, it's not a stop frame um, computer. It's, it's right, we need a camera to, we need a shot here, and we need, we need the camera to move up this building to finish on this shot. shot. And that's how we did it. So we, we hired a, a crane and a rig for a day. And um, and got and storyboarded everything that we needed, and um, and got it and got it done in a day. I must say that it was one of my highlights of uh, Eurogamer last year because I stumbled upstairs oh, and they had this. You had an extraordinary setup. You had little bits of the set, you know, in glass boxes, and people appearing at it, going, "What? What is? What is this?" And uh, I sat down. and I thought, "Oh, it's it's a." Point and clicker. I like these. Oh. And one hour later, <laughs> oh, brilliant! <laughs> I actually, oh god, a bit of an hour. You know, it's just <laughs> that that that. I was enough amount of times I looked up here and again. They had other people, sadly, yeah. with less attention spans. Will go. I don't, oh god, no! And they just walk away. I'm like, no, you're missing something amazing. Although happily, there were other people who did yeah, it yeah. the same way. Because. Um, yeah. I always think with with the kind of like expos, point and click adventure games are not the ideal game to sort of showcase in a way because right. people like to take their time and you need you, you know you need to kind of like go with it. So we were a bit kind of EGX was the first place we we did it we we showed it. So we were kind of interested to see how people would you know take to it, and there were so many people that were there for hours playing. Yeah. And completing as much as we had done, we hadn't when we showcased it, we hadn't finished the game, but you know, sort of like really determined. And it was pretty, oh, I finished it, was, it, I finished it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just like, um, we were I, really, you know, pleased about that. That, that 
sort of it kind of grabbed people and and people kept with it, which was fantastic. There are things I want to say, but I don't want to spoil anything. Uh, but I will. It does involve a particular fruit. I'll just leave it at that. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, didn't know where that come from. Like, oh, I see. Okay, right, fine. But um, also, it was more, you know, it was remarkable how. I mean, this is my sort of first sort of proper question about the game, the design. But um, you said that you spent three years making it, mm-hmm. so. And you've just mentioned about point and click. Why? Why did you do that? Why did you make a point and click game? Is this the? Uh, uh, is it because of Double Fine's success? No. Or, no. <laughs> we we were working on this. You know, we've been working on point and click game Loom since two thousand eleven, two thousand ten, two thousand eleven. So oh. it's I maybe. You know, but like you just said, you saw that it was a point-and-click adventure and was like, oh, I like these, you know. Yeah. We, so, you know, I like point-and-click adventures. You know, lots of people do. So it's – we just we just really – we really like them. And, yeah. you know, in the 90s and early 90s, 80s time, you know, they were, they were yeah. huge. They, they were everything. And I think that's probably, you know, the nostalgic part of me kind of going, I loved – I love Day of the Tentacle. I loved yeah. it. And, um, you know, and it was sort of that, like, kind of late 90s, early 2000s. It kind of went out of fashion or whatever. And Well, I can tell you why. Okay. If I may say. I mean, this is what happened. Basically, what happened is that they got too clever. Uh, the puzzles got so esoteric and so obscure. Yeah. One particular game called Gabriel Knight 3, I think it was. Look, look it up. Okay. It's a, there's a class, you should actually, I'm not going to tell you your job, but you really should look this up because it's a warning. Okay. Because it could, you know, history has a tendency to repeat itself unless mm-hmm. you leave the lessons of the past. So this, what happened was, is a, there's a particular puzzle that happened in Gabriel Knight 3 uh, that was so stupid and ridiculous that you couldn't possibly solve it unless you wrote to or had telepathy yeah. with the developer. Yeah. It was absurd. Basically involved you creating a disguise of yourself using some cat hair and some sellotape. <laughs> it was ridiculous, oh, yeah, absurd. Yeah. Sounds crazy. Just, just bad, bad design. Yeah. So what what happened is like yeah, enough, you know. And then people got that, and there was this huge pushback. Yeah, uh, yeah. Right. I think we tried to yeah. really address that with this game, and we we know that you know we were like, there's no sort of put hamster with X and put it in here or whatever. It you know the puzzles in Lumino City, like as much as we have, are kind of all based in some form of reality, and it's it's not you know it's it's not sort of oh you've got to collect that and you've you know it's. It's hard to explain, but yeah, we've kind of tried to avoid the kind of confusion for the sake of confusion. We've we've always, you know, we've always tried to be like, okay, this is broken, you need to fix it, and this is this these cogs can go together, and and X will happen. You know, it's kind yeah. of it's logical puzzles. Um, That's the key, and it kind of leads to my next question. Really, how difficult was it to design meaningful and challenging but not to the point of frustration puzzles i mean how much playtesting did you do because you and i know you can't playtest your own stuff it's not really yeah. effectively um you can you, you think oh that's very clever isn't it it's very nuanced 
no, <laughs> it's too obscure. So you've got to be careful about it. So yeah. did you take to you to you take us through that that process about the well, we kind of, of um, we I mean that was um, that was kind of our biggest challenge I think in in making Lumino City. We getting the game balance right where it's difficult, but it's not you know getting the learning curve right, getting the game balance right. We really kind of wanted to, to get that you know, correct for all the puzzles in the game. So before we, quite early on in development, before we did any model making, we worked on like black and white prototype, just quickly and flash kind of thing of the puzzles. Because we knew once we started model making and things, we, we didn't, we didn't, you know, we didn't want any kind of nasty surprises that we'd have to change, but we'd, we'd made the set so we couldn't change it or whatever. So, we got in lots of people to come into the studio and, and test it and sort of recorded their feedback and, and things like that. And I guess it's our history of making Loom, you know. There was a puzzle in Loom which kind of stumped a, a lot of people that we kind of learnt from that we didn't want want that to happen again in Lumino City. So um, it is just a, a case of just testing and testing, getting a feel for, for it. And, yeah, we just really kind of honed that in before we did too much of the the big bulk you know work on the game because there's always a case when you are doing you know making games you kind of like you spent lots of hours um on a, a section and stuff and then you get testers in and they're like um yeah we can't do this and then you kind of almost justify it to yourself going oh well you know they just didn't so we we were really aware that we didn't want to we kind of did a real basic version of the puzzles um, and got there and got the nuts and bolts of the puzzles tested then. And then we kind of took their feedback and changed it again then tested it again. So that's really how we did it. I want to talk about now the storytelling, which links into what we were just talking about there, the, the puzzle solving, because I found one of the things that drew me into the world of Luminosity was clearly things were not right. I don't want to give away too much, everyone, but there is a tone to Luminosity, which is, let's say, broken. Uh, I I find the world that you start in is wrong. Mm. The people in it are broken. You know, the people you encounter, I found, are just like, just really weird and kind of, not in a bad way, just an unsettling way. Like, What's going on here? It's the best way I can describe it. The best word I can come up with is a malaise. Okay. There's a kind of a malaise. I don't want to give away too much because it does go to a place. I know. But I found that the puzzles enhanced that. So they, they fed on that feeling, at least the initial part of the game. Mm-hmm. So I found, I'm going to say the word's very dark and foreboding. I've written down dark and foreboding. Maybe it's not the right it's a bit too. It's not that bad, but it, there is definitely a, a feeling of there's something really much, much uh, more interesting, or should we say, exotic, going on underneath mm-hmm. the surface of this bright and colourful world. Because you've designed this game with this bright and colourful um, aesthetic, whereas actually underlying it is something very um, interesting. <laughs> right? How yeah. did you? How did that come about? Is it just evolved that way, or is it an extension from the previous game? I don't know. Um, that's a that's a really good 
insightful question of the game. Um, yeah, it's really, I think it just evolved around the game. And I don't know, I think whenever you're playing a game, you like a bit of kind of things don't seem quite as they seem sort of thing. Simpsons. The best games are like that. There's a mystery to them. Yeah. You want yeah. to know because you're curious, so you're a human being. And with those opposable thumbs and those big big brain and relatively ability to run reasonably fast, <laughs> you have that curiosity. Yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, and, I mean, you kind of need that curiosity to carry on playing, you know, playing a game. So, yeah, I think it just evolved from, from perhaps the previous game and, you know, there's think you know you didn't want things to be too simple and too kind of laid out and one of my favorite films is um the wicker man and i don't know if if you've seen it but you know this guy goes to an island and and precisely that things things are nearly right but they're not quite right um i'm not saying like there's a massive wicker man ending to luminous city i think it's still quite you know um but yeah, I don't know. I think it's just evolved from, from. Well, some of the puzzles you do, you do on behalf of people who are perfectly capable of doing these things, but yeah, you, you do this stuff because they, and like, what's wrong with these people? I can't say any more, everyone. Sorry, I'd yeah. love to. It must be frustrating to listen to, but if I reveal anything, it will be ruin it. It is so frustrating to. But honestly, I can de- definitely tell you, there's a two tone experience to Luminosity. You have this beautiful aesthetic with all these um, wonderfully crafted models and what have you, bright colours and sort of, you know, um, characters that are like, you know, from an old um, uh, old uh, animation, Eastern European animation from many years back. Mm. Looks beautiful, while at the same time, what is going on? It's like this bubbling underneath the surface. This None of it is good. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, you keep. I mean, in the opening section, we can talk about. You know, the grandfather's like dragged away. Yeah, it's yeah. just it's the opening second, so don't worry. Yeah, like, yeah. what the hell? But don't you think that's like any sort of fairy tale storytelling? You know, it's when you look when you actually like analyze kind of you know stories. Yeah, that you I tell mean, children, they're all really dark and a bit. You know, well, there's a reason for that, though. We can psychoanalyze that. Yeah, yeah, true. This is just to explain that the world is a bit rubbish, um, but yeah. and it's also amazing at the same time. Um, so that's what we're trying to trying to teach kids. Is uh, yeah, yeah. As far as I understand it, is that you're meant to teach them right from wrong and morals, because mm-hmm. unfortunately, believe it or not, they don't actually know that from the get go. You true. have to teach them. Uh, I'll speak this from my own nephews and nieces that they realise that they have a fury about them they get frustrated when they're two or three they don't they're just learning that you know empathy yeah, yeah. They're just learning the concept of empathy and this is what these stories are saying they're trying to explain to them the concept of empathy and right and wrong and mm-hmm. you know, why things are why things are, can be bad and why things can be good and it's all about you know making and it, this is very much a hero story um so uh and discovery story and it is oh the discovery the things you encounter and do and you press buttons you go, I wonder what that does well I don't know press it I don't want to come on be fine what's the worst could happen oh really <laughs> yeah <laughs> be fine you know so um I think that's pretty much 
we've covered everything I wanted to cover. I mean, there was we've done two questions in one. There, I was going to ask about you, you've answered the question about how did the aesthetic come about, but it sounds like you've been working on. I mean, that's the way that state of play games do their stuff. Yeah, I mean, we've never done anything like Lumino City before, you know. Right, and I'm I'm not sure whether we'll do anything like it again in terms of the scale, right. um, but. Uh, We've it's state of play have naturally been evolving to reach Lumino City, I think, in some kind of subconscious way because myself, you know, it was easier to, you know, need to draw a cow or something and, you know, nine times out of ten I'd just get my sketchbook out, draw a cow, scan it in, do whatever I need rather than sit on a, you know, pushing pixels around. To me, you know, using my hand is is more natural in a way. Have you never used one of those sketch pads, those electronic sketch pads? Have you tried those? Yeah, um, and to be fair, we do do a lot more of them, but yeah, no, still kind of, if I'm just getting ideas down or just trying to, you know, I still, yeah. it's still quite handmade, and or if you want a texture or something, it's easy. It doesn't feel quite right doing it, does it? There's like scratching on a plastic surface or on a screen itself. Yeah. It doesn't feel... I know a lot of artists do it very, very yeah. successfully. You know, a lot of comic yeah. book artists do it. They just like draw it out and then they just fill in the fill in the ink. Yeah, yeah. I can see why they do it, but it's not for everyone. Yeah. So Loom, you know, um, sort of the work before Loom was all kind of aesthetically sort of handmade look and stuff, and then right. Loom was the first handmade game we did. Um, and um yeah that was very much smaller scale you know it's kind of a meter by meter model of of one house and where Lumino city is a whole city uh with a water wheel behind it and a working windmill and stuff like that it's um yeah it's gone as far far as we can but we didn't want to you know we never um kind of we never wanted to compromise on on what we did and we kind of put every idea we've ever had i think into lumino city yeah. so it's a really rich experience for people because it's just there's so much to it and um yeah really really yeah really pleased with the response it's had um, yeah and deservedly so uh, yeah and we found out we found out yesterday we're nominated for an IGF, which is great. Yeah, for visual art. So um, yeah, we're 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 really pleased with how people have responded to it. And it's uh, available on Windows PC and Mac. Is that right? Yep. So okay, no no Linux ports, or you just don't. Know. Um, not at the moment. Although we're working on it. Uh, okay, there you go. I know how much is Linux people want it. So um, yeah. So so watch this space. Although. Yeah. Yeah, nothing confirmed just yet. And are you looking for other ports? Don't worry, don't have to mention them. If no, it's cool. Um, we, we're we happy to say um, that we're going to do an iOS port. Um, Makes sense. I was about to say that. So maybe an Android one as well. Who knows? But yep, yep. I, I, was, I, was chat- I was chatting to a friend the other day. Like, you know, why always, you know, why have you got an iPhone now? Because I used to have an Android phone, but I got so frustrated with the fact that Every time it's an app, like, oh, that's great. I can't have that. It's not, uh, not on Android. So, but that's changed now. But, uh, yeah. It's not, but I don't know. I defected about two years ago and haven't looked back since. Um, but, uh, yes, excellent news. So, mobile on mobiles, and, but eventually, uh, sometime this year in the glorious 2015. But right now, you can buy it from Steam 
on Windows PC and Mac. And I do recommend you check it out and have a go as soon as you can. Right. It's a fantastic game and a big thumbs up. Like I said, I got completely lost in it. Played the game for an hour at Eurogamers. There's thousands of games there and I sat there playing this. <laughs> it says a lot. It says a lot. I could I got distracted by well actually the sound I just got you know got lost in the game and I looked up and went, Oh god, it's this time. I I was meant to be an interview now. I did have missed it. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I'm sure my editor won't be mine. too mad. Catherine, thank you so, so, so much for your time and no, being, thank part, you. being part thank of the you. show. It's been um very revealing about uh, your thought processes and how you came how Luminosity came into being. Oh, brilliant. I wish you the very best best of luck in your in the future. Thank you. And, and whatever you're doing. Uh, or, or thinking of doing, and I'm sure it'd be just as successful as Luminosity, Aww. if not more. So, um, okay, well, cheers, thank you so much, cheers. And so ends another episode of the Sausage Factory. Do leave us an iTunes review, and you can also don't forget listen to us on Stitcher.com. So just go to Stitcher.com, and you can stream the show from there. You just look up the Sausage Factory, and you can find us. That'd be great. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris O'Regan, no apostrophes. And uh, if you want to email me any feedback on the show, or actually you're a developer who listen to the show and want your game featured on it, please do email me at chris at spong.com. Bye!